Thank you, worship team. Good morning, everybody. Glad that you're with us. It was like I was sliding into home plate with the winning run. That's what it was like that Christmas morning when we were given the green light to go into the living room, and I slid into in front of that Christmas tree. So what you do as you're a kid, and I couldn't believe it that this day had finally come. I was excited about it. And as I was looking at my presence, I was thinking, man, what is my dad doing? Why is my dad staring out the front window? He'd pull the drapes back, and here he is just staring with this kind of like confused look on his face. And he's like, well, well, look at that. And we're like, what else is there to look at? It's right here, right? He says, no, look, you, we should look. You look at what's out in front. I'm thinking, oh, man, what is going on? So I come around and see, and I can see some scraps that look like kind of carrot pieces and some celery pieces. It was kind of weird. I'm thinking, what is going on? And he's like, well, you might want to go check that out. I'm like, oh, man, okay. So I go out the front door, and I come upon, which was what I thought it was, some scraps of carrots and celery. And then as I looked further, there were two long parallel tracks Mark's left in the yard. And then as I looked a little bit further, there were hoof prints every so far along in the lawn. And I'm going, this is crazy. What is going on? And I look back at my dad, and all of a sudden, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> right? We're like, this, this looks like, well, I don't know. What do you think it looks like? And I'm thinking, Come on, Dad, I, I know the drill here. This, this guy in this red suit doesn't exist. Are you certain about that? Look at the evidence. <laughs> oh, man. And, and, and I thought up to that moment, I was pretty certain that the guy in the red suit was just a fictitious character. But now I was uncertain. But far more important, I was uncertain how my dad, at that moment on that morning, was able to pull off Christmas, that he could do that. It wasn't that I was uncertain about his uh, sense of humor or his creativity or his desire to give us kids a wonderful Christmas. Rather, I was uncertain how he had the ability to put any effort to doing Christmas at all. Let me go back a little bit and set this up for us to provide some context. See, everything fell to pieces when his eyes met hers in that hospital gown. And the dreams that they once were dreaming and that they held so close felt impossible now. And all the plans that they had for the future and all the memories up to the past well, it, it just might as well have been thrown into a cardboard box and thrown into the hospital lobby, lost and found. That, that's what it should have been like for them at that moment. I mean, with the diagnosis of my mom's terminal cancer, one would think all joy would have been lost in my parents. And 14 months later, after the death of my mom, one would understand on that particular Christmas morning if there was not much joy in my dad. But alleluia, nevertheless, was the song, was the joy that pain couldn't destroy. 
Alleluia, nevertheless, was the joy invincible, invincible joy that they had, that he had. You see, despite my dad being a willower of just three months, that first Christmas after her death, his joy was invincible. His joy was invincible. His joy was so invincible that he was able to pull off Christmas morning for us kids. And for me, that begs the question, where does joy invincible come from? Where does joy invincible come from? You might have heard it already referenced today, but in case you haven't, let's go back to Luke 2, 10 and 11, put it up on the screen for you. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David is born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. So if we ask the question, where does Joy Invincible come from? Joy Invincible comes from Christ. It comes from Christ and Christ alone. He's the one that can provide invincible joy. To know, alleluia, nevertheless, your joy is invincible, you must be in Christ. To know, alleluia, nevertheless, joy invincible, you must have Christ as your Savior. You see, my dad was a believer in Christ. My dad has Christ as his Savior. Thus, his joy in Christ was invincible on that Christmas morning. And it stays with me to this day. Joy invincible. There might be one or two of you that have ever heard of the band Switchfoot, my favorite band. And their album, Native Tongue, they have a song entitled Joy Invincible. And so some of the words I just read off were from that song, and it's just spoke to me so much. It's a new song for for me in the past year that has helped me better understand an old memory, an old memory from, from Christmas and from my childhood. And so when I look at, but the angels said to them, do not fear, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Well, then it begins to make sense. And perhaps maybe you've heard it quoted a little bit more. And perhaps maybe one of you actually picked up one of these cards. Have you seen these cards? Have we made mention that we have a memory verse? That it's actually this verse? If you've missed it, hopefully you didn't miss it today. And these are available in the back and love for you to take that and memorize that great passage of Scripture. And so today what I want to do is to, is to unpack these two verses and five verses that surround it that John read off this morning in, in Advent and then show you why joy in Christ is invincible. So if you've got a Bible... Turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. I just want to have a look at a Savior is born. So Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. It's also available in your app if you want to check that out. Or maybe you have a Bible app on your phone. You can pull that out and look at it. But let's read verses 8 and 9. In the same region, there were some shepherds straying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. To me, it's amazing, how, or at least I would think, how amazed the angels must have been to see their creator, to have known their creator is now a creation, if you will. Their creator born as a creature. 
Also amazing is the announcement that the angels make of Christ's birth to these anonymous shepherds. That they would be the audience that the angels would show up to in that field. You see, the shepherds were outcast in Israel. And they were ceremony unclean uh, by what they did in their work. But, but shepherds do something for us. Shepherds demonstrate for us the reach of God's grace towards the people that we would think are the lowest and mean the least. And yet that's where God's grace shows up the most. God reaches out to them and engages them. And after 400 years of silence, the silence ends with the birth announcement of the angels. And this is this passage. This is what we celebrate at this time. It was a terrifying moment, though, for the shepherds, wasn't it? That's what it says. But the angels said to them, do not what? Do not be afraid. An angel. What is an angel? An angel is a messenger of God. Their mission, their purpose is to go in, in this case, is to deliver a message from God. What was their message that first Christmas? Well, Scripture answers that great question. Look at verses 10 to 14. 10 to 14. For today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Have we heard that verse before? I think so. Verse 12, but this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So who's the messenger calling out to you this Christmas? As I was writing this message, I just thought, you know, we're, we have messengers, don't we, in our world, in our lives? And, and sometimes the, that messenger or that message becomes all-consuming to us, and it kind of drowns out the message of what Scripture has. See if you've been there. How many of you have listened to the messenger of COVID-19 and the constant message of that? with all the news reports and everything that continues with that. And that message is continually going. It's been going all year. Maybe it's the messenger of your circumstances. You're looking at going into Christmas this year or what you have ahead next year, whatever it is, and you're looking at the circumstances, and that's the messenger that's got your attention. And it has you terrified. Maybe it's anxiety. In other words, it's what's going on inside. It's the stress. It's I can't fall asleep at night. Because that messenger just keeps coming to me and drowning out anything I could get out of Scripture if I'm willing to listen to that. Maybe it's unemployment. You're trying to figure out, how am I going to make this work? Where's the job going to come from? Maybe it's finances. And you think, man, once upon a time, I, <laughs> the messenger of that was all is good. Now, it's not. Is that the messenger you're listening to or hearing right now? What about a diagnosis of some disease other than, or virus other than COVID? That happened once upon a time to both my parents. But what the diagnosis was for them, that was the messenger. Maybe it's loss, maybe it's failure, or fill in the blank. It's a messenger that just continues to show up and speak to you. And in effect, senses, if, 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 if you're not careful, will drown out the message of hope, of joy that God provides and that he wants you to have. 
Because these messengers can be all-consuming. They can rob you of your joy if you listen to them. This isn't uncommon, though, because if you look back at the shepherds, their messenger when those angels showed up was great fear. This was not a good setting for the most part. There's all kinds of backgrounds and belief in, in what that would happen and what that meant if angels showed up. The concept there was like, yeah, freak out. And that's where these guys were. They were listening to their fear at the signs of angels, which is why I love it so much that the angels' first words is, do not be afraid. You see, had they listened to their fears, the message of the good news of great joy could have been missed. But the good news is that they listened. They listened, those shepherds listened, and the angel message that they received from them, and they found the hope that Christmas brings. And how do we know this? How do we know that they listened, that they didn't listen to all the fears as the messenger, but they tuned into what God's message was, that a Savior had come and had been born for them who is Christ the Lord? How do we know this? Well, the passage helps us understand it. Jump a little bit further down to verse 15. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. This is why you'd like to have a Bible, because you can look at it, and it sounds a lot more interesting when you're looking at it than just me reading it to you. When the angels had gone away from there into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem. Kind of like sliding right to the front of the Christmas tree, right? Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see that this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, shepherds. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things that we were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard, and I might add listened to, and seen just as it had been told to them. Just as it had been told to them. Did you catch the joyful worship? In verses 13 and 14, the worship there is the angels are glorifying and praising. They're joining in with the chorus that's already going. You just get to now hear it on earth. This isn't something new. We just get to listen into what's going on in heaven at this moment. And it's recorded in Luke's gospel for us to go, oh, clue in. That's the message. That's what they're bringing. They're bringing in worship. And then the shepherds follow suit in verse 20 when they get back to their fields of all places out in the open of God's creation. Imagine that, that you would bust out into worship, glorifying and praising God. That's what they do. That's what they did. See, when you focus on the Savior who is Christ the Lord, joyful worship follows. That's why we put it to the theme for our Christmas season here at Grace Hill is joy to the world. Have you ever heard a song entitled Joy to the World? There's a few of you night in with your masks on, yes, okay, because I can't see your face go, yes, right? Your mouth say that. Theme, joy to the world. How can there be joy to the world? You ever stop and think about that? It's nice to say. It's a good song to sing. It looks good on a Christmas card. But how do we know that joy to the world is there? Because we have a Savior. 
I know I'm stating the obvious, but without the Savior, there is no joy to the world. Do we get that? That is so vital for us to grasp. And in him is joy invincible. In Christ, in Christ alone, is joy invincible. Let me give you four reasons of why this is true. In Christ, joy is invincible because we have a Savior who is with us. He is with us. If you go back to verses 11 and 12, for the day in this, or, or yeah, in verse, verse 11, for today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In Christ, joy is invincible because we have a Savior who is with us. He is with us. Luke 2 and 11, 12 is the fulfillment of prophecy of Isaiah 7, 14. It was spoken of and declares that God would become man and he would be with us. And then Matthew 1, 23 affirms this prophecy by saying, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. We might sing that song around here where you hear that title of Jesus. The name Emmanuel expresses the miracle of the incarnation And it is this, that Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God with us. God had always been with his people before. But this is different. You see, God had been with his people before in the pillar of the cloud above the tabernacle. He was with them then. He was with them through the voice of the prophets. He was with them. He was present. God was at the Ark of the Covenant. But never was God so clearly present with his people as he was to his virgin-born son, Jesus, God, the Messiah of Israel, who tabernacled among us, Emmanuel, God, with us. Jesus is not only with God, or not only um, God with us, but is also God in us. Paul declares in Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. God's presence is within me. When it was time for Jesus to return to the Father and go back to heaven, he told his disciples in John 14.16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And of course, Jesus here is referring to the Holy Spirit that would come and be God's presence within you. That was his plan to be with us, which allows us to have joy invincible. You see, in Christ, joy is invincible because we have a Savior who is in us and is with us. Christ lives in me and the Holy Spirit dwells in me. You know, one of the questions we often ask people at Christmas time is, who are you spending Christmas with? Have you asked that question, been asked that question, right? It's a common question we get at Christmas. Who are you spending Christmas with? Or after Christmas is, who did you spend Christmas with, right? It's a given. And some of you have got new exciting opportunities with maybe a, a new grandchild or, or, or a, a baby, or as we just had just here with the dedication. I mean, to think about that. And I think that the idea here is that Christmas is better together, Isn't that our conviction? Like, it's better to be together, to be with us together. So let me ask you a question. Do you want greater joy this Christmas? 
then I would challenge you to draw near to Christ. Draw near to Christ. The Bible says in James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's a condition on this though. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, there's repentance of sin that is in our conscience that we know about that we have yet to confess and deal with. And so once that has been dealt with and we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, you are able to draw nearer to God. And what's the return? What's the scripture tell us? That God nears to us. You see, in Christ, joy is invincible because we have a Savior who is with us. It's one of the reasons for it. Here's a second reason Joy is invincible because we have a Savior who is for all people. He is for all people. Note the declaration for all people in verse 10. Did you catch that? I'm sure you did. You probably heard it a few times this morning, right? Well, the people in verse 10 was a reference to Jews based on Jesus' earthly ministry. It, It now includes Gentile people. And unless your name is Steve Morris who's Jewish, for those of you who don't know, we've got a good thing going then for us, me, a Gentile, right? That is for all people. How do we know this for certain though? How do we know that this guy in this red shirt and tan pants isn't making this up? Because we've all heard, (laughs) oh, it's for Gentiles too. How do we know this? We go back to scripture. Scripture tells us this. Romans 3.29 says, is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. That's how I know that the joy can be invincible because we have a Savior who is for all people, including me. John 2, 2 says he is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours, but only also for the sins of the whole world. For the whole world. In other words, all people have sinned which means all people need a savior. And that savior is Christ the Lord. There's no substitute for the savior. Even though when you're on a missions trip in inner city LA with a group of high school students, as I was a number of years ago, and we go out to MacArthur Park one particular morning to pass out pastries to homeless people in MacArthur Park. And I came upon this group of people, two or three people that were there. I said, hey, would you like a pastry? And they're like, uh, sure. <laughs> Great. Well, where, where, who are you? Where are you from? I said, oh, I'm a youth pastor. I'm from San Diego. And I'm up with some high school students. And we're just here on a missions trip. Oh. Oh, okay. So the one guy looks at me and says, oh, so you believe in the white man's God. And I go, I'm sorry, what? He goes, yeah, well, I'm Indian. I'm a Native American. I don't believe in the white man's God. We have a different savior. I never had that someone (laughs) throw that back at me before. And yet, when I look at scripture, what the angel's message was, it is for who? It does not matter your race, your ethnicity, your economic status, your background, what you look like, male or female. It is for all people. 
You cannot have joy invincible if you seek a savior outside of Christ. Scripture affirms that. The message of the angels would have been a joke if it were true, if you could find hope and you could find joy somewhere outside of that. So let me ask you again, do you want greater joy this Christmas? I want to encourage you to be an ambassador for Christ. To be an ambassador for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 puts it this way. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You know how you can be a really great ambassador for Christ this Christmas? Grab one of these cards that Mike didn't have in his announcements. <laughs> this is what he's referring to. And grab one of these in the back. We have stacks of them. We don't want to see them here. They do no good to bring joy to somebody if they're sitting on a table in the back, right? God's called us to be his ambassadors. So it's on the back. It gives basically simple information about next Sunday's Christmas service, Sunday, Christmas, Sunday service, and then Christmas Eve. Details are there. Grab these. Take these. As Mike said, they went out with Jeff Osepian, and uh, I don't know if there's others, but they went out yesterday to pass these out. I'm planning on going out this week to pass these out because we want greater joy. Guess what? It comes when you start to share Christ with others. When we get past the fear like the shepherds did and we're able to do that and we're able to have a conversation about Christ with somebody, joy shows up because in Christ, joy is invincible because we have a savior who is for all people. It's the second reason. Here's the third reason. In Christ, joy is invincible because we have a savior who is the author of joy. He is the author of joy. Note the statement, good news of great what? Great what? Say it a little louder like you didn't have a mask on. Good news of great So that way people that are watching online, good morning to you, can hear you say that. And it says that in verse 10. His arrival is what? Joy to the world. Because he is with us, he is for all people, and he is the author of joy. Joy is an attribute of God. Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus is the author of joy. Joy exists because God exists. I want you to understand that this morning. We think joy is just out there. I am sorry, but it is not just out there. It is in existence because God is in existence. It's a character trait of who he is, and therefore, when we're made in his image, we're able to have joy as well because he's the author of joy. Jesus brought joy into the world in some very practical ways. When people got healed during his earthly ministry, I want to submit to you, and we don't have in scripture, oh, I've seen that before, <laughs> right? Or, or when, he, uh, when, when he brought about the casting out of demons, or I think the greatest miracle and work that he did was the forgiveness of sin. He's the author of joy. You see, after each miraculous event that Jesus did, joy was the immediate result Every single time. Joy ensued. Joy came about. 
in Scripture, when you read after a miraculous healing or demons being cast out or forgiveness of sins, what is there that follows? Joy. Because in Christ, we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the one who brings joy invincible. He is the author of that. The Greek words for joy, kara, which is inner joy, and kairo is to rejoice. They're derived from the Greek word charis, which is grace. What's my point in bringing out some Greek here? It's those who have come to experience God's grace and stand firm in their faith experience joy invincible. Does this make sense? Since only two of you nodded yes, let me state it again. Those who have come to experience God's grace and stand firm in their faith experience joy invincible. That's what God brings because he's the author of joy. That's how the author of joy wants your story of your life to be. A story of joy invincible. So let me ask you again, do you want greater joy this Christmas? I want to encourage you to rejoice in what God has done for you. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You know where you can do that? If you haven't already sent it out yet, is your Christmas letter. Is, is that not what excites us about when we get a Christmas letter to see that photo and to read a story or two about what they enjoyed through the year? That that's brought that we can see it and we go, oh, joy's showing up. I want to challenge you to stop and rejoice despite a pandemic, despite whatever it's you've gone through. You can rejoice in the fact that God is who he says he is. He is Christ the Lord, and his joy that he brings to us is joy invincible. Last reason I want to give you in Christ why joy is invincible is because we have a Savior who is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is King of kings, and he is Lord of lords. Note the title in verse 11 of Luke chapter 2. He is Christ the what? The Lord, again, we're going to try it again to see if we can get the audience who are watching online to hear this, because that's what Bill does with you. Note the title, Christ the what? Lord. The Lord, much better. In verse 11, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. In Revelation 19, 16, Jesus is given the full title, King of kings and Lord of lords. In other words, again, we didn't just make this title up. It's in Scripture, which is why we come back to it and go, oh, who is Jesus? He is King of kings and Lord of lords. What does this actually mean, though? It means Jesus has the power to exercise absolute dominion over all the universe. It means, in the end, all other rulers, earthly or spiritual domain, will either be conquered or abolished. Because he is king of kings and he is lord of lords. Ephesians 1, 21 to 23 puts it this way, when he had raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in all and all. In other words, he is king of kings and he is lord of lords. And this reminds us of this reality. The reality, it's sometimes hard to be there, right? 
And sometimes we know when it's a joke and sometimes we forget and we're kind of confused. Or maybe it shows up in a movie like in the movie Titanic. Remember Jack Jossum and he runs up to the bow of the ship and what does he yell out? No one saw the movie. I'll fill it in for you. I'm king of the world. I am king of the world. Months later, the director of that film, James Cameron, received his Academy Award for Best Director. And what did he shout out for all of us to hear? I'm king of the world. Thank you, Patsy. So now we hear that, we see that, we take that in. But is that reality? Obviously, it is not. So let me ask you again, <laughs> do you want greater joy this Christmas? I don't want to challenge you to think and live in biblical reality. Think and then live in biblical reality. What, what's that look like? It looks like this from Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. That's what God promises here. In other words, what's the result? The result is joy invincible because we're in Christ. So as we like to say around here at the end of a message, so what? <laughs> so what? I would just say, who is your joy in this Christmas? Who is your joy in this Christmas? I stand here today all these years later and I realize... For my dad, it was Christ. That's who his joy was in that Christmas. Why was that possible? Because we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and he is what? We have a Savior who is with us. We have a Savior who is for all people. We have a Savior who is the author of joy, and we have a Savior who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's how. That's how this works which allows us to have Christ in us where joy is invincible. If you're in Christ, I want to remind you your joy is invincible. If you are in Christ, he is your savior and your joy is invincible. In other words, you can say, you can sing. Alleluia, nevertheless, or whatever happens, because that's the truth, that's the song, that's the joy that this world cannot destroy. Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ and the joy that he and he alone brings to us. God, thank you for this reminder. Lord, may we live in this hope. May we enjoy Christmas because, God, you are the Savior. Lord, is there anybody here today who has not made that decision to know you as Savior, God, I pray that they would seek that out with one of us here as pastors to have joy that is invincible. Lord, bless our time now as you wrap up and sing this song about you, Jesus, our Savior. And it's your name we pray, amen.